All right, our uh, our guest today is an absolute star. As a player, he gave it his all on the field. He played with passion and excitement and became a cult figure due to his commitment to the club. He played 33 games for St Kilda and kicked 48 goals during that time. He won the Best First Year Player Award in 2012 for the Saints and had two Goal of the Year contenders during that season as well. Off the field, his list of achievements is even longer than his run-up. He's extremely well-liked and respected, and his work with AFL's Multicultural and Bashahooli programs has brought him a heap of praise and success. It's none other than Armand Starr. Imagine he's 19, Saints are kicking the only four goals of the match. They have been dangerous when they've got it in there, and they are again. Saad, Mills already kicked through. The Red Pad has started well. He runs in and puts it through for another. Welcome, mate. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, man. That's a, that's a great intro. <laughs> no worries. so far, so well done. Yeah. No worries, man. Uh, life in lockdown. What's keeping you busy, mate? Netflix, watching footy, the little one, work. What, what yeah, are you doing? Yeah, mainly the little one. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's two and a half, so yeah. he's bouncing off the walls. It's hard for him to understand. You have to stay inside. It's, <laughs> all the parks are shut. And so for him, it's, it's just trying to keep him occupied. And um, he um, he probably runs me down more than I run him down. But um, <laughs> he's going good. Um, moved into a new house over the last couple of months, so doing bits and pieces around here, and um, that's been nice. Other than that, a bit of work um, as well, working three days a week uh, from home, plus the programs that we get to do, whether it's online or face-to-face just before lockdown. And, um, trying to stay fit, trying to do a bit of running, and um, got my garage turned into a little gym, so that's been keeping me busy as well. Brilliant. What are they running? How, how many k's are you doing a week? You you were a very fit uh, man back in the day. Yeah, what about now? Yeah, I'm more of a short, um, hate long distance. Yeah, <laughs> short stuff. I'm um, known for my speed, so yeah. I um, yeah, I don't really clock up a lot of k's. I just try to do what I can just to mm. you know stay fit and just more of a sweat up, just a bit of cardio, so I don't get fat because I've been watching <laughs> a lot of Netflix and eating a lot of junk food. Yeah, night, brilliant. So. What's on What's on Netflix at the moment? What are you flicking through? Uh, just finished Kingdom. Oh um, yeah. So it's like a. a um, it was a show about a family that all grew up around the UFC and mm-hmm. wrestling and stuff, and it was pretty cool because I like sport. Yep. Um, and then I watched um, Snow Pisa as well, and finishing up Colin, the Colony Now season three. So. Oh, brilliant! Then the three that I've watched lately. Yeah, nice. I just fin- I'm finishing Animal Kingdom now, so I got to I got to chuck it on the list. Kingdom's up next for me, so yeah, I'll give yeah, that a watch. So, yeah. Yeah, Kingdoms. Good, good show. Yeah, good. So uh, that work you were saying, uh, the multicultural and the Bashahuli program, so what does that involve? And is that what you're doing three times a week at the moment? Yeah, so mainly working at the moment um, on the Bashahuli Foundation stuff. Um, so we've got some, we had some programs just before lockdown. I had the Junior Academy um, Boys Program, which is 12 to 14-year-olds. Um, so we had a three-day uh, program with them where we... We used to have a residential um, program where they come in and stay with us for three days and three nights, and bashes there. Sorry, three days and two nights, and and bashes there full time, and obviously get to you know go through training sessions, leadership sessions, and learn more about their cultural identity um, and peak performance, which is all the stuff over their head, over the, that pretty much they need to use their brains for. So all the leadership sessions and and stuff that makes them you know better people on and off the field. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're just trying to obviously make them. You know, leaders in our community when they grow up and ideally we'd love them to get drafted but that's not always the case and, and stats prove that but for us more importantly just to you know try to shape them and as young as young leaders and, and obviously be great models in our community so you were, you were born in australia you moved to egypt at eight played yep. soccer came back to melbourne at 14 uh how did that love of footy start and and what kind of inspired you to devote so much time and energy into it um well, yeah, I started um, footy when I was about 16, so I moved, as you, as you just said, moved a fair bit. 
Um, and then when I got back to Australia, I continued to play soccer, but kind of felt fell out of love with it because I kind of loved it in Egypt and I had all my close mates there and I felt like I was playing at a pretty good level there as well and I felt like I had to start all over again here and wasn't really enjoying as much. Plus, my mum couldn't take me to training because she changed jobs. So I was at school, moved to Roxburgh Park and then those guys at school all played obviously for Roxburgh Park Footy Club but the under-16s team at the time needed numbers to... Um, for the team, they they um they're going to fold that that year. They didn't have enough numbers, so they were trying to obviously get players just to come. So I said, you know what, I've just started to make friends at this new school. Um, all these guys in my year level that want to play. I said, you know what, I'll just start playing. I used to play at lunchtime. I couldn't kick or anything, but I had really good speed and good hands, and I could jump. Um, so they kind of said, well, you just come anyway. So I said, you know what, might as well. I'm two minutes away as well. I live two minutes away from the Oval, so I could walk back there from home, obviously, and then. That's pretty much how it started, just filling the numbers and played that year. Um, absolutely loved it after that. And um, I'm the type of person that if I do something, I like to give it my all. And um, I bit of a, try to be a perfectionist and I worked, worked my bum off um, that pre-season to get better leading into the under-18s after that. And that's pretty much where it all started. Yeah, nice. And then you, went, you obviously went to the VFL and, and you played um, some very impressive footy. I heard that you, you spoke to a lot of clubs before that 2011 draft and you initially yeah. picked up by GWS, I think, as a pre-listed recruit. Um, yeah. Can you explain the process of being drafted and how you ended up at St Kilda for the 2012 season? Yeah, so um, as you said, went from Rockford Park to play VFL and I didn't really get an invitation or anything like that. Mm. I just thought, you know what, I feel like I'm too good for local footy. Yeah. Uh, no one's kind of reached out to me, but I want to go give it a crack and try just walk into a club and mm. ask if I could train and I did that. And David Teague... He's a head coach at Carlton now. He was the head coach at Northern Bullants back then when he was working with Carlton back then as well. And I just said, mate, can you just give me a run? I haven't been invited. Did you call him up or would you no, just rock up? I just up? went to training. I found out when they were training and I just rocked up that time. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. So I kind of put him on the spot. Yeah. Because um, I thought on the phone that there's a chance I could say no. Yep. But if I'm there, there's more of a chance I could hustle my way into a session. Yeah. And I did and got to train and they, they, they liked what they saw that night and gave me a pre-season and ended up making the list Played um, three years there. Um, first year, I was missed probably six to eight weeks from a hamstring injury, but played mainly reserves and then came back and played some really good footy after that. And that's when I started getting noticed a little bit in my second year uh, in the seniors. And then my third year was obviously my breakout year and got drafted from there. Um, and then, so what happens with, I got a call, I was actually in Bali on a footy trip, and then I got a call from um, my manager saying that the Saints are trying to pre-list, um, the GWS are going to pre-list me, but then they're going to trade me straight to the Saints. So they're trying to do a deal for trade picks, players and stuff like that. So I was never going actually to play for GWS. It was more of just a way to get in with, GWS was a brand new team. That was the first year coming into the system and they were allowed to pre-list 10 players, mature age players that are either nominated for the draft or obviously over age, over 18. So that could, that could, um, nominate them and then they could either keep them or they could trade them so mm-hmm. they ended up put, pre-listed me and Terry Malera and then traded me and Terry Malera to Saints for pick 20 mm-hmm. um, I think it was and then that way me and Terry got to the, that's how me and Terry got to the Saints and yeah. then um, through the, the GDBS way so I didn't have to go through the draft which is good in a way I didn't have to wait um, and I kind of got to say yes to all the club that wanted me at the time mm-hmm. um, but 
at the same time would have liked to have known where O'Connor would have went in the draft, but at the same time, mate, would have absolutely loved getting dra- drafted before it where I didn't have to wait any longer and I knew where I was going. Yeah. Um, were much more comfortable. Yeah, 100%. So you walk into that club, obviously, you know, full of champions. You've got your Nick Rewalt, your Stevie Milne, Lenny Hayes, Del Santo, Goddard. What was your, your first impressions when you rock up and you see a group like that? And did anyone take, take you under their wing a bit and welcome you in? Yeah, so yeah, so all those names. Obviously, I was pretty lucky to go to a club with all those that had pretty much a lot of champions. When you go to all, all different clubs, there's probably not as many, but there were so many high-profile players there that actually, you know, probably weren't probably the best players to play the game. So I was pretty lucky with that. And Stephen Milne was my mentor, and he's the one that took me under his wing. He's a small forward as well, and mm-hmm. um, he was someone that I kind of tried to follow around as much as I could and did a lot of work with. Um, so he was someone and also Adam Schneider as well um, was the other one who's obviously another small forward so um, they're, they're the two that kind of um, looked after me a little bit and uh, was really good to work with them and they're obviously probably the best small forwards especially Mjolnir he's probably the best small forwards one of the best small forwards to play the game I think yeah, and their mentorship obviously worked a lot. I mean, your first season, you play 16 games, you kick 28 goals, you know, you're dubbed as the, the excitement machine for the Saints. You know, life must have been feeling pretty good, I could imagine, at this stage. Yeah, it was. felt like I was on top of the world. Yeah. Um, living my dream as a professional athlete, um, you know, playing for the Saints. We just missed out on finals that year, so we had some good games, and I played some really good footy. So at the time, I was pretty happy with my first year, and I was obviously looking forward to getting better from there. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And um, you're definitely a cult figure, I think, it, uh, for the Saints supporters, mostly because your ability to excite the crowd and that sort of thing. But also, I think uh, your, your trademark set shot, which is well documented and written about, I think you averaged about 28 to 38 steps, straight back, eyes focused on your target. It worked well for you. I loved it. Um, but how did, how, did that, how did that come about? I, I think you actually taught Ben Brown how to kick, which is good. But um, did you cop it from um, more from the crowd or from the opposition? Both. Um, but one, once I... It was really I needed obviously to have a set shot routine as a forward, and I spoke to my uncle who he played a bit of footy himself, and um, he sh- he had a pretty good run up as well. He's very accurate, um, and so I thought I'll try to copy his one, and then so he tried to do his one, and he takes thirteen steps, yeah. pretty much the same approach in terms of the body and how we hold the ball and all that kind of stuff, but. He only takes 13 steps. I tried to do it, but I just felt like it was too short. So I just <laughs> kept walking, kept walking, kept walking. Um, and it ended up, yeah, averages about 28 to 32 steps. I actually yeah. don't count. Yeah. I kind of go back to where I feel comfortable. Yeah. And it's funny that every time it's kind of the same, um, which shows that, yeah, it's just instinctively working. Um, and then that was it. Just, just helps me focus, get my breathing right, um, kind of shut out all the noise. And um, it works. So that... Yeah. That, that, that's why I was pretty lucky. If it didn't work, I would have had to change it because, yeah, I was copying a fair bit of, um, <laughs> um, you know, stuff from the plays and, and crowds and stuff like that. But um, the end result was good, so which, which kind of helped, helped, helped me shut them up. Yeah, definitely. Um, now, I've, I've heard you speak about it before. Um, I can understand it's probably not your favourite topic, obviously, to discuss, but I've heard you explain how your AFL ban actually taught you valuable life lessons and helped you shape um, the person you are today. Are you able to explain that time there, what happened and, and what came out of that process for you as a person? We'll be back after a quick break.
I'll keep it short. Yeah. Um, just because it's a long, <laughs> it's a long story. But what short story was, I had a um, really good friend of mine who owned a protein company, um, and we we're trying to help each other's brands out. When I was playing VFL, he had to get my name out there. I had to get his brand out there, and I wasn't getting paid for it or anything like that. I was just literally doing it to help him out and i was using obviously his protein and stuff and then it was a pre-workout that i was using and promoting and um unfortunately was a bad substance in there that i wasn't aware of and i was taking it before i took it before a game against Fremantle and got tested and um found out literally from the moment i showed my doctor and that was probably my mistake that i didn't show my doctor what i was taking and that's we're taught that as afl players to show uh, make sure you check everything you take and put in your system with the doctor to make sure it's all good. And just, yeah, stupidity, I didn't, maybe because I was just a close friend of mine or a bit naive or um, didn't, you know, that's probably where I can't, obviously, if I would have showed him that, it would, wouldn't have happened. But it is what it is, and obviously I learned from that. And, um, yeah, got banned for 18 months. Um, it was a tough, tough time. Uh, it's pretty much like prison uh, for sport, so I couldn't even go back to Egypt to play soccer if I wanted to. Uh, it was tough on my family, tough on me, knowing that potentially my, you know, I had a really good first year and this was halfway through my second year. All this happened, so it's a pretty pretty important time for my development. Um, and I thought, you know, my career could be over. I've worked so hard to get here, um, and by you know such a stupid mistake on my behalf that could cost me my career and, and or something that. You know, obviously, I love doing, but also, you know, the money I was making was helping me and my family, and, um, my mum and my sisters. We're not, we didn't come from a wealth. I don't come from a wealthy family, so that, you know, that money really made a big difference for my whole family. So, it was tough, tough times, and I just got married as well at the time. So, my poor wife coming to our first year of marriage, mm. um, me pretty much going through all that, and she was amazing, um, and my whole I had pretty good support around me, which helped me. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was the hardest when Asada decided to, um, reappeal, um, and try to get, um, me to get the max ban, which is the 24 months instead of 18, 18 allowed me to miss just one season and come back halfway through the, the preseason of the following year. So it didn't make, it really wasn't much, mm-hmm. but if it was 24 months, it would have got me to really the start of this next season. So I would miss a season plus a full preseason and no club's going to pick you up yeah. if you can't join in the preseason. Um, so the 18 months was like, okay, this is this is good. Um, it's positive, you know, try and look at it as a positive way. It's good. It's only one season and hopefully I can come back. But if I started to try to reappeal again at 24 months, when that was definitely my career over. So that was the hardest part mentally. Um, but also for my family, you know, get my wife calling me and crying and my mum calling me and crying and saying, I have to go through this again. And mm. that affected me the most. Um, I'm happy to cop it all and deal with it all. And, you know, my name was getting out there, Saad takes drugs and all that kind of stuff. It was getting tarnished. Um, you know, being a, um, you know, a role model in the Muslim community and, you know, having my name out like that and being tarnished was pretty, it was pretty tough. But more importantly, it was more, it was hurtful because it was, I was letting my family down and obviously um, hearing them cry and all that kind of stuff and have to go through it all. That was the hardest part for me. I could deal with it on my own, but when other people I care about are getting affected, that's when it's hard. But yeah, it was a tough time. I got through it. I worked my ass off to, um, to train on my own, did everything on my own. Um, I had a personal trainer. It was my good friend at the time who I played with at the Bullands, Adam Yakabuchi, and he um, he was amazing. He trained me the whole time, one on one. We we did three. That's we had kind of a, a plan on how we we're going to you know tackle it because we couldn't go you know six days a week for seven eight months. It's you're just going to break down by the time I hit preseason. So we just kind of had a little plan, mapped it out, 
and then um, we, we kind of went with that and we followed it the whole way. And, and I, I got back, when I did get back to the Saints, I got back fitter, stronger, um, and my all my PBs were, I beat all my personal bests um, when I got back to the Saints, which proved that I did a mountain of work with him um, and obviously on my own as well. So um, it was it was good. It was rewarding that I got to get back and, and play. Um, but that, that taught me a lot of things, you know, taught me... Told me um, resilience. Um, it, 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 it was it was a time where you know I had to reflect a little bit on what I'm doing with my life and, and stuff like that. And um, I knew that for me personally, what I needed to get through, how I got through with that that time was getting my relationship closer to God and and praying a lot more and and, and all that kind of stuff. And spiritually, um, that's what kind of held me in really good stead. And knowing that you know everything happens for a reason um, and. I knew that God had a plan for me, and whatever it was, um, I was going to accept it. Um, and I just made sure that you know, my religious, religiously, I got stronger in my faith and got closer to God, and um, I controlled what I could control, which is train hard, work hard. Um, and then if I did get drafted, well, I did again. And if I didn't, well, at least I could, I could walk away knowing that I did everything I could possibly can. And getting drafted was out of my control. Um, so I was ready when the time came, and uh, lucky enough, the Saints picked me up. I really appreciate you going into that as well because it's great to hear it from your mouth as well and you're an inspiration to so many people, you know, who are facing tough times and just like you said, you know, control what you can control, stay positive and, and everything happens for a reason. I just, I just love that and I appreciate you getting into that. Um, no, no you, you went into to play uh, footy at a lower level as well after your Saints career. You won premierships, I think, with West, West Preston Lakeside, 18-19. Yeah. Uh, you won the goal-kicking three seasons in a row. You kicked a phenomenal amount of goals. It was like 231 or something like that in a, in a couple in the three seasons. Um, you've been described as the wizard of local footy, mate. <laughs> <laughs> um, can, can you tell us about um, a little bit about the, uh, the local footy and what kind of um, impact that's had on you? Yeah, so playing, as you said, at West Preston, um, I've captained the side the last two years now, and we've gone back-to-back in premierships as well. My first two years as captain, and I'm co-captaining with um, another guy, Nathan Valderas. So we've um, done a pretty good job, and we've been pretty lucky. We've got a really good group, and um, we're trying to change the culture of that club over the last three years since I've been there. And um, it's always been an awesome, awesome club, and it's got a really rich history. But we wanted to come in and create something special with the group that we have, and um, the coach that we have as well, and, and we've done that, and it's it's been really good to be able to pass on, you know, what I've learned in my short time um, in the AFL system to pass that on to to the young guys, and our and our group's pretty young as well. I think only probably three or four of us are over at an age of twenty eight or twenty nine. The rest are all under the age of I think twenty four. So um, we've definitely got a good couple of years ahead with the, with with this team and. Um, it's been awesome. I've absolutely loved it. Just to go back and enjoy footy again and just play. Um, there's no pressure, no nothing. Just enjoy it. Um, so that, that's been really good. And I've got a couple of my good mates down there as well. And the club's been accommodating with, with making sure that I was happy when, and brought some players that I wanted to play with. And um, Yeah, I couldn't be happy at that club. Um, as you said, been pretty successful since I've been there. And um, yeah, hopefully I can create a really good legacy at that, at that footy club. And and one day Noah can play there as well and uh, wear my number and mm-hmm. um, walk around there pretty proud that his dad obviously made a bit of a bit of a difference and created some success and, yeah. and happiness for the people um, around the club and, and that community. Yeah, awesome, mate. And before I get to uh, end off with the ten quick questions, just have have you been watching a lot of footy this season? You're, you're paying close attention to your Sainers; they're going well. 
Yeah, the boys are playing really well. Um, so Brett Radden has yeah. been really good for them. Um, he's, he was a coach at the Carlton at the time. I actually played at the Bullants there. Yeah. Um, and I know all the boys loved him there as well. So, um, and from what from what I've from what I've heard, the boys absolutely love playing mm. for him, and you can kind of see that um, and how they're playing. And um, it's really good to see some see them get some wins and get some success now. So hopefully they can they can make finals this year. And um, and then obviously I've been watching the Bombers as well. So I've supported the Bombers growing up. Yeah. Um, so back, back, following the bombers and supporting them as well. So it's good to have two teams that you care about to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, so that yeah, been trying to watch them a little bit, and um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, who's the tip for the flag? Who's your tip? Uh, it's pretty tough, man. Yeah. I, I reckon it's pretty even at the moment. Yeah, it's very even. Clubs. Yeah. Um, I think, I think a lot of yeah, tough one. I can't, I can't say. I, I still like Richmond. I still, like, I think mm-hmm. they've got four or five of the key players out. And they're still playing some good footy. Um, I think West Coast will be pretty dangerous as well. Yep. Um, yeah, tough one. I like it. I'm a Tigers man, so I'm glad you said that. Thanks yeah, for that. Yeah, I good. reckon, yeah. Tigers <laughs> are looking good. Good. I, I've got to say that too because of Basher, so. Yeah, that's right. Exactly <laughs> right. Uh, all right, we'll end with 10 quick questions, mate, just to get a little bit more about you. Um, all right, we'll start off with your favourite food. Favourite food, steak. Beautiful. Favourite movie? Um... I'll go with Coach Carter. Coach Carter, that's a good film. Phone call or text? Uh, phone call. Mm-hmm. Do you have a favourite restaurant or cafe you usually go to? Um, favourite restaurant or cafe? I'd say I like I like Chinese. Mm-hmm. Um, so I say Bamboo House in the city. Pretty yeah. good. They make really good Sancho Bao there. Nice. I'll be happy with that plug. Um, yeah. If you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? I'll stay Australia. I'm pretty yeah. happy here. That's good. Good. Uh, your dream job? Well, professional athlete. It was always a professional athlete, so I'll, I'll still stick with it. Yep. Uh, who is your idol? Michael Jordan. Nice. Did you? You obviously saw the Netflix documentary. How good yeah, is that? Yeah, mate. Love that. Unbelievable. Favorite. Yeah. Uh, if you had to live with either without either your phone, TV, or car, which one would you choose? Car. Car. Good. Uh, if you were starting a team from scratch and you could only choose Nick Rewalt or Lenny Hayes, who would you pick? Oh, <laughs> uh, that's a tough one. Mm. Um, Lenny Hayes. Lenny Hayes, nice. Very good. Reasons? Um, don't know. Just, yeah, I don't know. I love Lenny. I love. I think he's a, mid, a midfielder. I think it helps. Mm. He's a general. So is, so is Rui. He's too, but... Um, I don't know. I think everyone loves Lenny. Yeah. And, and obviously Lenny, I think, was captaining before Nick was. So obviously taught him the ropes. So yeah. um, I'll go for Lenny as yeah. more experience. Good answer, Even mate. though Nick was more captain for more games. But yep. yeah, I'll go for Lenny. Good answer. Uh, last one. What makes you angry? Other than me asking too many questions. No, no. Your questions are good. <laughs> um, makes me angry for... Um, I'm very impatient. So yeah. So I get... I get um, <laughs> Yeah, so anything that's kind of have to wait. Yeah. Um, I know I'm a very curious person, so um, they're probably things that make me not angry. I'm not a very angry person. Mm. I don't really get angry much, but yeah, I'm more impatient and mm. curiosity kills me more than anything. Yeah. Um, that's that's yeah. a good thing, though. That's probably what got you your, your footy career as well, where you're going down to VFL level and saying, you know, give yeah. me a go. That's right. Exactly. I want to take control. I like to be in control. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah very good. I'm the same. I love it, mate. 
Uh, listen, mate, I can't, I can't thank you enough for coming on to have a chat with me today, Ahmed. Uh, you've given us a whole heap of insight into you as a person and definitely provided all the listeners with information you know, we wouldn't usually be privy to. So you're a true professional and a great person. Uh, thanks again, mate. Appreciate it. Uh, no worries at all. Thanks for having me, man. Anytime.